0: You're listening to The Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Real Estate Runway Podcast. Today, we are joined with Mr. David Zapata of Factum Financial. If you may remember, we had David on to talk about the infinite banking concept on a few episodes back. So just take a look and because the initial idea is to discuss what the infinite banking concept is and why it's important and relevant to you as a real estate investor. So go back and listen to that episode. But today we're really going to get into the meat of why this is important to you as a real estate investor and how to use it. Like what does it mean to invest in real estate with the infinite banking concept so as a refresher my friend david zapata was born and raised in columbia south america and has lived in the united states since 2006. he spent the last 10 years as an engineer working in corporate america where he and i actually met in a previous life since finding the infinite banking concept david has been committed to sharing the value of controlling the financing function for individuals families and business owners The concept was coined as Infinite because it supports the realization of unique lifestyles through freedom of finance and control. Through IBC, David has been able to finance hobbies, recapture nonproductive debt, and build his investment portfolio at the same time. IBC is for everyone willing to educate themselves about mindset, process, and products required to build a privatized banking system. David's ideal clients are open to think creatively and are eager to take ownership of their financial destiny. David currently lives in Carlsbad, California with his wife, Sarah, and he is an authorized IBC practitioner and licensed uh, life insurance professional. He has been through the Nelson Nash Institute. So he also is part of that concept and he's expecting his
1: first child soon. So David, without further ado, welcome back to the show, friend. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, even though I always look much, much less good looking in camera when I'm uh, here with you. I've got a hoodie and a backwards
0: hat on. You're here with a pretty polo. So don't don't let, give the listeners that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, David, I think it might be wise to give a quick recap of, of kind of what we talked about before not spend too much time on that. But then let's get right into how
1: we can use the IBC concept as a real estate investor. Yeah, I guess to capture the audience today that is interested in the intersection between the idea of infinite banking concept and real estate. I want to drive this message. If you hear anything in the next 20 to 30 minutes in our conversation is that whatever you do, regardless of how efficient, productive, profitable your business deals are, you're always playing in a financial system and you cannot be inside a vacuum. And in that financial system, you will play multiple roles. You will be sometimes a borrower, sometimes you will be a saver when you have capital to do your deals and there's always going to be a third party which is the banker the famous the financier the person that controls the system where the money's flowing to do the transaction and the exchange of value and my invitation to you is if you haven't considered yet perhaps there's an opportunity for you to improve your financial position by playing all those three roles Within the deals that you're executing in your real estate portfolio. So that's the takeaway today. We're going to talk about what the infinite banking concept piece is, uh, is briefly based on the conversation we had prior. And then we're going to apply it to conceptually talking about how the interaction happens with the acquisition and the management of cash flow and taxation from a real estate perspective when you own the foundation of where the money resides. So to give you a quick background on what we talked about last episode, we're going to talk about the infinite banking concept. And the infinite banking concept is the congregation of three ideas. Number one, a mindset, the ideas that you have in relationship to money, how you think is very crucial to understanding how the money game works. For example, one of the crucial points that we make in the IBC concept and in the infinite banking concept is that everything you purchase, you finance Whether it's credit or cash, you're either giving somebody interest for the opportunity to use the capital when you borrow money, when you use credit, or you give up the opportunity to earn interest in your capital when you use your cash. Same coin, two different sites, but at the end, the same outcome. And when you get to understand that, you start thinking about... How else can I do this where I can actually capture the value of my capital, the value of my money when I have the the discipline to accumulate that savings? Mindset, one pillar. Second pillar, we're talking about a process. In a process where we are using the word banking as a verb, the idea is to accumulate or use a pool of capital just like the banks do and put it in motion for different purposes So we can capture the power, the energy that money has when I borrow or when I lend it to somebody at an interest rate and I recapture that interest. And if I do that multiple times as fast as I can, I'm going to become very profitable like the banks. What do banks do? Banks take their capital, their profits, and they will do three things usually. And we're talking about large national banks in the United States. I'm not talking about your local bank, although they do it also. They will take their profits and put it inside a product called Bali bank-owned life insurance. And this product is considered by the regulators, by the Fed, tier one capital, the safest capital possible that is used to measure risky assets against their reserves. Okay, They are allowed to put up to 25% of their capital for per bank. I'm talking about billions of dollars in this product for them to warehouse their profits. Okay, The second thing that banks do, they will go and acquire the best real estate property in the city. They understand that the corner buildings will allow them to have a presence in the community, provide convenience own the real estate where they have their operations, the benefits associated to taxation and the incentives the government provides for owning and providing commercial real estate or housing. The third thing they do, like we talked about before, is they will create loans because they understand that money in motion is energy. And this is the way to make money work for yourself. So we want to replicate what the banks do, what corporations do, what high net worth individuals do at our level, at, our, at the UME level, because it is possible. And it is possible because of this third pillar where we usually refer to as the product or the platform. And in this case, I'm talking about whole life, dividend paying whole life insurance policies, which, and unfortunately in many people's, in many people's mind is a product that they are not open to embracing. And I am here to tell you that whether your thinking is pro or against, you should open your mind just to hear the opportunities that this can bring to your financial life. It's a product that enables you to take control and ownership. It's going to allow you to give your money multiple jobs, not just the credit or cash use, but is going to allow you to create an asset that you can collateralize and borrow against while you guarantee compounding of your money inside the cash values of a policy. And we'll talk about more details about how this works here in a second, but To summarize, again, we're talking about a mindset. You have to become the person that is capable of thinking like the financier, the banker, before you can do anything. Becoming is a journey, and in that you learn the process. We are emulating the best people in the world managing money, and we're using a platform that enables us to perform this and execute the process itself.
0: That's very interesting. Thank you for that recap, David. And you know, I just had a thought. I wonder if you know if we didn't call it whole life insurance, if we called it something like personal banking high yield account or something like that, because we really aren't using this as life insurance. There's some some life insurance benefits, yes, but when you're starting to talk about the infinite banking concept, you're not really using it for the traditional life insurance payout, for
1: for example. So. It's, it's unfortunate, you know, I, I told you before, our great grandparents before the Great Depression used to see treasury bonds in these vehicles as the savings repository, yeah, yeah. a warehouse for their money, because all the guarantees associated to it. And for many reasons that I don't want to speculate sure. on, we've been all conditioned to think differently, but I agree with you. The principle you're alluding to really quick to to close that point is. Mr. Nelson talks about this. The point from the IBC perspective is that we're not acquiring these products for the protection aspect, because the idea is that your need for financing in terms of probabilities is much greater throughout your lifetime than your need for protection. We're not disregarding the protection aspect. The death benefit is one of the features and benefits, but keep in mind that you will need houses, cars, weddings, vacations, all kinds of large expenses in your life. And if you can find a vehicle that allows you to do this most cost-effectively cost while keeping control, this will be the ideal vehicle for you to warehouse your money, which we believe
0: Absolutely. Is. So now that we've kind of gone through that, David, how might I, as a real estate investor, look at this uniquely, this the strategy and this product?
1: So that's perfect segue, thank you. So now that we've described the idea of what the infinite banking is in terms of a process and, and how banks replicate this by using money and putting it in the right place, purchasing real estate and keep loans active, I start describing, and I really like the idea of thinking about IBC and these policies as an, an asset, A A-N-D. It's not mutually exclusive to anything else. And it's very rare to find assets that allow you to do this. What do I mean by that? This product, this process acts as a foundation for any investing in terms of allowing you to finance things more effective, in this case, acquisition of real estate. And the reason it is such a great vehicle is because of the ability to perform multiple jobs in your money uh, at the same time. For example, when you put your money in a CD account or a certificate of deposit account that earns whatever interest rate, 2%, that would be ridiculous today, but assuming that they will give you that money, you can continue to save your money and receive that interest. And the second you want to use that money to make an acquisition, finance an acquisition of real estate in this case, you are compromising the job that we already placed on those savings, earning that interest and taking it away from that vehicle and purchasing the, the real estate. You cannot perform those two jobs at the same time because you're not the owner and controller of this asset in particular. The bank actually exactly. is the owner of that system. When you are the owner of one of these insurance policies, you have the ability to own that asset and then look at the insurance company and say, based on the value I have in this asset that I own and control, I'd like to collateralize some of your money for me to continue to grow my cash at the same time that I can go and use this money and put it in in a particular investment in real estate down payment, for example. So I know that you're going to put this on the notes. I have a link with resources, education resources, and there's an intro course that our company, Fact and Financial, puts together. There's a couple of videos and a couple of reference to books that are very important becoming your own bank and yeah. being one of them. And one of the videos is with an example in particular about real estate. And I wanted to bring that up because it is probably the simplest way to try to drive some of these points across in an example. So the numbers maybe not so important to us. I'm not going to pull any calculators up or anything like that. But I want to give you an idea of how to start thinking about this. So imagine that you are a real estate investor and in order to do real estate investing, you had two choices. You could go and access credit and you could go and finance your acquisitions that way. Usually real estate investors are focused on two things, cash flow and taxation. Okay. And because of that, there's a preference to do capitalization initially, because when you are using your capital, the deals are more effective because you don't have that initial cost of money when you're paying interest. And one thing that gets missed is that real estate investors usually don't think about their costs of their own capital. So if I were to tell you that for the first four years, when you're doing some capitalization, you would save a hundred thousand dollars of your income with you and your wife, right? you would have over those four years 400,000 and then from then on you reduce that to only 25,000 so you over a period of 30 years you're going to accumulate a certain amount of money and let's not let's say that you're not hiding it under the mattress let's say you put in one of these certificate of deposits that earns 2%. so in the video that those of you that reference the, the notes that chat will add to this to this video over that 30-year period of four years of accumulation of 100 and then subsequently 25, you should have around, at, at the end of the period, $1.383 million. So $1.3 million or so, okay? And keep in mind that when you have your money in that CD, in your earning interest, you are also participating in it with your invisible partner, the IRS, which assuming a 30% tax rate is going to reduce- Taking this cut. It's going to take yeah. this cut, right? Uncle Sam. Okay. Okay. So- That's the context of the example. And we are going to add to this that in the first year, when you put that first $100,000, you find a deal and you want to buy a property and you're going to borrow $50,000 for a down payment, let's say. okay. So the example initially leads to a calculation with the tools that we use to demonstrate that when you go to the bottom of that 30-year and you compare side-by-side loan versus not loan, The $50,000 that you borrow costs you more than $50,000. So if you had a 1.383 million at the end of the 30 years, you would expect to only see 50 less because that's all the money you use when you borrow it from your balance in the CD. And it actually ends up being more like $76,000. And the reason why we show that is because we want to drive in the mind of investors that your capital has a cost associated to it because you can always be earning interest on it if you don't use it. And when you use it, you should account for the fact that your investment should replace not only the profitability of the deal, but also the cost of the capital that you're borrowing from yourself. Just as much as you respect the money from the bank and you pay them interest, you should respect your capital as well,
0: okay? That's an interesting thing to think about. I wanna pause on that. So you're right, we never think about how much money our, how much our capital costs us, right? So even if you're thinking that, oh, I'm just gonna pay cash for this and I'm not gonna use a bank, like for a car, let's say, I'm gonna pay cash for a car, not gonna use a bank for a loan, right? So I'm saving 3% interest or whatever it is, right? Well, are you? Because you, you just you just deployed that capital into a liability where you might've been able to deploy that into something else that makes you money. Exactly. So you Think about the, the opportunity cost. Like if we're real estate investors, right? Let's say you're a developer. Let's say you know how to go take that 50 grand and leverage it into building a $300,000 house that you would sell. Well, you might've in, in 12 months been able to double that money.
1: Boom. Exactly. and And again, it's not to make any judgment of individuals not being aware of this. We're talking about corporations, not even recognizing this and this is where the eva the concept of uh, economic value added came from Boardrooms were considering using their capital versus credit because it was cheaper but they didn't recognize that they could also buy a corporate bond at a higher rate and have that interest earned in their capital so things have flipped when people start to recognize that the discipline of accumulating capital is very valuable because it represents future interest that people can earn on their on their money so so we talk about that. We talk about the fact that we want to recognize that there's costs associated to capital, and because real estate investors like to accumulate capital and go through that discipline, they should account for that in their dealings. Okay, so one way that you could deal with this would be assuming that you go after a profitable cash flowing property, which a real estate a real investor would, because they would want to make sure that their positive cash flow from they want, they're going to get paid from the deal. They get to send back the cash flow back into the account to replenish that loan at an amortization schedule they choose. Okay, and the contrast we want to make is in the example, Kyle, who's presenting this example, goes into a deal again. Acquisition cost was fifty thousand, and if he assumes a particular interest rate, eleven percent or so, the monthly cash flow of the property would be five hundred bucks or six thousand dollars a year. And when you start sending yourself those $600 a month for the 30 years, the cash account goes from 1.3 to over 1.5 or so million dollars. And that's the power of, again, directing cash by using your capital and acquiring assets that produce money. Okay. So that's the second step. Identifying the value of your capital. Second, making sure that you direct the cash flow equation. And most investors probably already are aware of this. The extra step when IBC enters is when you get to do this in the form of using collateralized loans against your savings and against your cash values inside one of these policies. Why? Feature number one, you are now entering in a situation that every single dollar that's inside of that cash value is living in a tax-free environment. So neither the interest, dividends, or loans are taxable entities. So you are eliminating that 30% that you were sending to your partner, the IRS. Number two, now we are going to be in a position, because it's our capital, to do the same thing we were doing before. We are going to take the same return from the property, and we're going to amortize that loan in a way over those 30 years that we get to collect that interest and put it as additional premiums to boost the performance of this policy. So you are now working inside an environment that you control. You're working in an environment that is tax-free, tax-efficient. Now, you're also now doing the foundation of this deal in a way where you are working inside a guaranteed contract and a guaranteed grow of your money. In many places where money resides, people may go and borrow from a vehicle that is indexed to a stock market performance or any other type of asset. And in this case, you're talking about a contract that is guaranteed that has a schedule year to year, you know, a minimum that your cash will continue to grow. So as your property is being paid by a tenant with appreciation, you're depreciating the property, building the land, you are taking tax credits, and you're obviously taking the cash flow and putting it inside your system. The money is also compounded on uninter- compounding uninterruptedly inside this policy in a tax-free environment. And then a couple more things that are also very important. A lot of times uh, real estate investors don't recognize the exposure of having some of these properties, even if you have some type of asset protection with an entity like an LLC, still have an exposure to public information and uh, some type of lawsuits. When you're dealing with this whole life insurance contracts, because they're protection, they are creditor protected and they're private. So the capital that's flowing through your deals, now it's inside inside a firewall that's invisible to public information, but it's also invisible From creditor protection. So, the takeaway, and I again invite you all to go into the link and take a look at what I'm talking about here. Uh, The takeaway is that the balance, the net balance inside the IBC account is much larger than in the original method of financing because now you are in a position where you control both the growth of the money at the same time you do the acquisition and the deal. And that difference on having only one job versus two jobs for your money is what gives you a better financial position. We haven't even talked about what we said at the beginning. You're also guaranteeing that you have growing death benefit for your family. If anything were to happen to you, you have the ability to replace your financial value to your family. So, It's a way to make deals, and again, going back to the an asset, more efficient. You're growing this acquisition process and this execution process in the foundation of a contract that's guaranteed and that has a lot of tax advantages that are not inside other places where you warehouse your money. There's
0: a mic drop moment there, David. So I'd like to offer a summary, and then I want to ask you a question. And this is, this is me personally as a real estate investor. So audience, get ready for this. I think this will benefit you. So in summary, A, Don't ever look at these products as investments, right? Think about it as a high yield savings account that you can leverage. I'm I'm talking to real estate investors. They understand what leverage is and the fact that you put up collateral and you can take a loan, right? So the idea here is if you think about it, it is an asset and you think about it as a high yield savings account, not an investment. You're not comparing rates of return in your whole life insurance policy. What you are doing is finding a way where you, if you think about it like a high yield savings account, you have a place to store your money that grows at a lot better than 0.1% or even 0.25, right? You know, you're getting a couple percent growth on it. Yep. You can leverage it, right? And and so it's it's still growing as if it's still sitting in your bank account, right? At that at that rate, but you're borrowing the insurance company collateralized from the insurance company collateralizing against it. And then you take that money. And put it into real estate where you can multiply, you know, 2X, 3X, 4X, depending what kind of, what kind of game you're in, your acquisitions, rehabs, developments, or even just cash flow plays, right? So
1: all that is a summary. You want to add something there, David? Just really quick. Imagine if you could do OPM, but you can also control the terms of the OPM utilization, meaning you said the schedule of amortization what happens if you have a long term vacancy? What happens if you had to do renovations and you don't have income in the property? If you are the financier in this deal and not the bank, then you have flexibility in saying, well, I'm going to manage this by extending my period of payments or I'm going to skip a payment. And there, there's so much flexibility around this built because you control and you're the owner of the financing, not just the borrower or the saver. And in a real estate investing, Think about 2020, all the moratoriums. There has to be many people, particularly in the commercial real estate world, that are suffering because their expenses never stop, but their income stopped. That's right. And if you are able to manage the financing part of it, which is always, always part of the deal, you are going to be in a much stronger financial position while executing your deals. That's a great
0: segue into the question I was going to ask you. So I'm going to ask this final question and then we'll end the show. I think we're coming up on time. And guys, I really encourage you to go look into this because- If you can couple these two strategies together, wow. Very powerful. So the question is, we get the concept of putting money into these these high-yield savings accounts in the form of whole life insurance. Now, as a real estate investor, I have two choices, right? Let's say I have a $200,000 liquidity in a policy, okay? Would I want to go and buy four different investment properties at 50 grand each down and then use bank leverage to basically put leverage on the rest of that property and then cash flow it and sell it. Maybe by that, I double my equity in two or three years. Or do I say, I'd only want to buy one property and use that $200,000
1: as leverage on that property? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. This is the, the type of question that you need to ask clients and have a conversation because it has to be aligned with what criteria you're using to measure success. And also how does it align with your values? So I can see many people from the Austrian economics perspective wanting to secede from the banking institution. So the more we participate with the banks, the more we are guilty in the fractional banking inflationary system we live in today, which is a point of view that some people take in wanting to take control of their entire capitalization needs. They would accumulate capital so they don't have to rely on the external system. And that's one point of view. I respect that I always take this since I'm not the judge of right or wrong. I'm not the judge of best for you or not. I think every individual needs to think and decide that for themselves. I can also see the position of people that are seeking growth and using OPM is a fantastic way to achieve acquisition of multiple properties. You'll diversify your risk by having multiple properties because vacancies then will have a lesser impact on the overall portfolio. and. At the end, if you haven't thought about this, when you are taking a loan against your cash values, you're not using your money. Your money staying put and growing uninterrupted, untouched. What you are doing is actually doing more OPM. You're looking at the insurance company and saying, you are the custodian and the guarantor of my growth on cash values. Therefore, I would like to collateralize that asset and borrow from your free assets from the premiums of this year, and they will issue me that loan on each. I'm using the pool of money that all of us come together in the insurance companies to protect each other, to pay an interest because I'm also providing value for the opportunity to use that cash. But my money is growing. And if you start running calculations of return, rate of return of investment deals this way, instead of thinking just out-of-pocket down payment and then the leverage, this part also has to be associated with that It's somebody else's money you're using, collateralized to your money, but your money's growing. You'll see that the rates of return increase, and again, to answer your question, what do you want? Do you want fast growth? Do you want to create independence and create a system large enough that you can suffice all and uh, all your financial needs and those around you? Do you want to do a mix of both? I can not tell you what's right or wrong without understanding what is your objective? Where are you? Where do you want to go? And what bridge is the most effective way to get there? And I think that's why we at Faction and I particularly enjoy the most about this role is- Trillion, truly understanding who is the person in front of me? What do they want? Not everybody wants the same things. So and everybody's in the same place. And how you get there is important too. How you get there is important too. For many people, real estate investing is not just about a return on cash, but it has to do with also sufficing needs in a community and creating something that wasn't there before and in making your city, your community better. And a lot of the ways you go about that have to do in association with your values, how do you set a win-win strategy with the partners you work with. I can tell you that in no situation I can imagine where you would be worse off by controlling a portion or all of the financial need for executing any of those decisions. So. My invitation is think like a real estate investor, not just like the borrower, not just like the saver and like the person that accumulates the capital, but also start thinking that perhaps you can be in two business at all times. You could be in the real estate business and in the financing banking business, as we should all be, because money is always half of every transaction. Whether you're buying doodads and things that you like to have a home and fun, or you're buying investment property or Thousand unit portfolios. It's the same thing. You're going to need somebody to play that role, and I suggest it be you.
0: That's fantastic, David.
1: Thank you for coming on the show and really talking
0: through this. I think what we all take away from this is that using a vehicle like this, it gives you options, right? And and you can use this depending what you're trying to do in life. You can use it in different ways, but it gives you a way to be a little more creative and have a little more control. Over the financing and the equity and the return on equity that you're using. So, Guys, we're going to cut the episode there. I know this one was a little bit long, but the information is well worth it. I encourage you to go look at the show notes. We will have David's contact information in there. We have it from the last show, but David, if you don't mind just telling them the best way to get in touch with you real quick, and then we'll end it here.
1: Absolutely. Go to our website, www.factumfinancial.com. I share a link on the notes, special link for education resources. You'll go there, quickly learn what the IBC system is all about. And you can find me on social media, usually David A. Sapata on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, constantly putting information there. We have chats every Tuesday on Clubhouse. I invite you all to join and, and get more information about that. So thank you for having me. A pleasure talking to you, my friend. Fantastic. All right, everyone. This has been another
0: episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Signing off for now. How is your company managing your capital raising process? Syndication Pro is the number one solution to help real estate syndicators and fund managers automate fundraising, investor relations, and reporting. Syndication Pro is a solution that is trusted by hundreds of firms, large and small, with billions being managed within the platform. Here at Quattro Capital, we have seen a drastic improvement in our ability to provide better customer support to our investors, a co-sponsor module to our alliance partners when partnering on new acquisitions, ACH distributions, an SEC-compliant CRM, and even the ability to take soft reservations on upcoming projects. Look for the link in the show notes to try Syndication Pro risk-free for seven days. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.